to me, it is a very powerful quote. Mm -hmm. Only the penitent man shall pass. Hey, welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. We're just two guys talking about the Catholic faith over a couple of pints of our favorite craft beers. So why don't you slide into the pew alongside us and listen in for a while. I love the sound of that, Robert. Oh, I love the sound. I love the look at it. Look at that. Look at that. That is again, nice. Again, a poor. I don't know. I don't get. Yeah, that's not a bad. It's better than last time. I oh, really like the color of that beer. It's worse than last time. I can't see because your your hands are kind of lifted up. Yeah, that is a bit worse, but that'll that'll quickly dissipate. Well, I've been looking forward to. This. I, I I bought this a week ago. Yeah, but you know what? Once you have those beers, you're looking forward to so much. They sometimes tend to they, they, they tend to let you down. I guess, eh? yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I picked this up. It's a, a pecan pie porter out of Guelph, and I picked that because I love pecan pie. I love pecan pie. And then I was actually reading some of the reviews today, and they said if you're looking for pecan pie taste, you're not going to get it. It's more of a chocolatey, chocolatey milk kind of thing. So you know, you know. Pure beer purist would probably kick you out of some meeting they had by drinking a pecan pie beer. You're aware of that, right? How is it? It's okay. So it's chocolatey. Okay. It's chocolatey. It's, yeah. Uh, Just okay. It's sweet. I get. I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. So, At least you tried it. But it's yeah. It's uh, no very very sweet. Very sweet. Well, Four weeks, I'll be joining you, I guess. Actually, I was thinking to myself today that I can really join you on Holy Thursday if we want to go back to the loopholes, you know, with the spirit of the law, because technically Easter ends, does it not, on Holy Thursday once the Triduum begins? But the Triduum doesn't begin on Holy... Well, it does begin Holy Thursday. Right, so... I was I thinking it began Good Friday. But so no. I think that the, the whole fasting thing can end on the Holy Thursday. So really, I could start drinking then. But that would be this... The letter of the law, not the spirit of the law, as you mentioned last podcast, correct? Yeah, I don't, I, and you know what? I don't even know if that's the, the letter of the law, because Good Friday is a, a day of fasting and mm -hmm. abstinence. And I think the fasting ends after the Saturday vigil at, oh, okay. the, at the resurrection of our Lord, would right. when the fasting ends. So I don't have to wait till Sunday. We can, I can imbibe Saturday evening. You can imbibe Saturday evening. Late evening. If you if you go to the vigil mass. Oh, okay. So I've got to go to the vigil mass. I have the stipulation. No, I'm going to Sunday morning mass. But the, the vigil remember. mass is the most beautiful mass. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that mass. We haven't really gotten to the vigil mass much as a family. Not not a mass for young children. Eh? I was, I was going to say, number one, when Mike was small, uh, no, it just would have been too much. Uh, and then, so we just, and usually we're, in London, we're usually at, at Ellie's family for Easter. Uh, that was right. really hard last year when we weren't there. And there, the family tradition is we would go to Sunday morning mass along with everybody else. And mm -hmm. you have to get there three hours early just well, to stand in the parking lot. Right, right. right. We haven't really gone to the vigil mass. And the most beautiful vigil mass I ever went to was in Germany, actually. And the... The Easter Vigil Mass started at about five o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning. Mm 
And so when you went into the church, the church was dark. Like it was you know, five in the morning. It was completely pitch black out. And you go into the church and it's pitch black. And they have the, they do the holy fire and the, and the candles, like the, the vigil mass. But then as you're leaving from the mass and it's Easter Sunday morning, the sun has come up while you were in mass. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. It was, it was, that was absolutely beautiful. Here we are, we're still in Lent, and we talked about wanting to bring some some saint quotes for Lent. And I don't know, we, we both came up with two each. We, now, came, up lot, we came up with a lot more. You, you you had to nail it down to two each for, for time's sake, I guess. I oh, oh, very much so. And yeah. then I'm, I'm even wondering if two is going to be too, too much. But, too but let's get started now. How did you want to do this? Did you want to do one and one and one and one? Or did you want like to do... One one. So, so kind of one of us goes and the other goes and back in, back in. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. So uh, only because you mentioned it. So we'll start with the, the first one that I, I threw out there. And because we're talking about uh, the trials and tribulations of, of fasting through Lent and having to deal with the temptations out there. Uh, it's one of my all-time favorite quotes from St. Augustine. Uh, and St. Augustine, there's so much that is quotable. And there's Absolutely. so much there, but this one is my favorite. And I think of it often is that there is, there is no virtue without temptation. Right. And I think on, on this quote, you know, probably almost daily, any time that I do find, or I do feel a temptation coming on, I have to remind myself that there is no virtue without that temptation because it's all about making choices mm -hmm. we, we can't choose the virtuous life without turning away from the temptation absolutely and the biggest problem is is that temptation is so preponderant and it's almost it's even exalted in the world we live in right you, you look at what hollywood puts out there what we can watch on netflix what you can watch on on youtube uh, I mean, the, the internet in and of itself is just one big temptation waiting to happen. Uh, you, you think about the fascination people have with Vegas, the whole notion of bright lights, big city. Right. Uh, it's harder to live a life of virtue than it is to live a life of vice these days. And the more we give into that particular temptation, the more the vice grows within us right and when i think of this quote too there, there's no virtue without temptation i i think back to our childhood and the, the little cartoon images you would see on the cartoon character's shoulders on one shoulder there's the angel telling them to do what's good and on the other side there's the little demon you know prodding them along with temptation and and there's that battle that is continually being waged in our conscience between living a virtuous life and a life uh, of falling into temptation it's never ending, eh? And like you say, it is it is getting worse too, right? Oh, oh, very much so. And so it, it is a struggle and it and it is a battle. Like we were just talking about with, with our own Lenten fast. This ability to choose virtue over vice comes from having a, living a life of humility and wisdom. And and you know, the humility comes into it of knowing that we can't do it alone, that we need God's help and that we need the help of the angels. And again, 
when temptation rears its ugly head, there's a lot of time I, I go back to the, the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. Defend me in this day of battle. Defend me in this battle against temptation. And also then from that, having the wisdom to know God's will, to be able to make that choice. So having the wisdom even just to understand the difference between right and wrong, between virtue and vice, it's important for us so that we can make that, that decision. And living a life of virtue is, is like training your muscles. By practicing virtue, by choosing virtue over temptation, then we'll be able to grow in the virtuous life and we will be leading a virtuous life. And again, like we were saying with the, the fasting, it does become easier and easier because that's the, the, the choices that we will become more inclined to make. And yes, it comes in small steps at first, but uh, eventually with God's grace, we'll be able to, to overcome our, our passions and our temptations. But it's still out there. The temptations are out there. And mm -hmm. if those temptations weren't out there, then we wouldn't be able to make the, the, the choice to, to live a virtuous life mm -hmm. either. You know, and I like the point about, you know, the more one practices the virtuous life, the more one becomes virtuous, right? The more one practices a prayerful life, the more prayerful one becomes, right? It's just like going to the gym. I guess there's an analogy that can be, which is almost like the gym has become the new, we open up gyms faster now than we do the churches. No, but you're absolutely right, Robert. I took a different um, spin. I had a couple there, and I got one right here, too, and maybe you can comment on it as well. And I think this is for a lot of people because there's a lot of noise in the world, and people are hearing different things. And this one, it goes way back from Saint Francis to St. Francis of Assisi, so we're talking, what, almost 800 years ago? Your deeds may be the only sermon some people hear today. Very much so. Yeah, and I want to I kind of touch on that one. And so most people aren't hearing sermons. There's certainly, we know that most people aren't going to church. You know, most of the people we know don't go to church. And so I think if we can show them kind of some sort of, I don't know, what would you say? Some sort of, not necessarily a holy life, but a good life, you know, the good life, you know, and how, how we live our particular lives and how we, you know, how our actions are put out there, that that's the sermon they're going to hear. So I guess most of us, and you, you would probably know a lot more about this doing your you know, your uh, Catholic moment and certainly having your your workshops and your seminars and stuff like that, that if people see it in us and people we know, and then they're more, there's a more tendency to kind of follow it as opposed to just hear it all the time. What do you think? I think that works for a lot of. Oh, lot very of much so. Very, very, very much so. Uh, in living our faith and in, in living out our faith and being that visible sermon, you know, people will hopefully and god willing but people will look at our actions people will look at the way we live our lives and they will see the joy that that brings mm -hmm. and they will say i want what you have what is it that you have that brings you so much joy what is it that you have that brings you so much peace of mind right and it's not necessarily being out there and doing good works and good works have to be done. It's, it's not to say that we should not be doing good works, but I think what most people are looking for in the world today, especially with the world 
as upside down as it is right now, is they're looking for that peace. They're looking for that calmness. They're looking for that tranquility. They're, they're looking for the, the, the merry-go-round to kind of stop spinning or at least to slow down a little bit. And when they see people that have that calmness and that inner peace and that inner joy. Joy, yeah, absolutely joy. They, they, sit, they look at that and they're like, I want that too. It's not just that they want it. They, they, they say, I need that in my life. And so that is the sermon that we need to, to project with our actions. That's the sermon that we need to project with the way we live our lives, with the way we carry ourselves, with the way we interact with, with others. And like you said right at the beginning, and it's really summed up in that quote from St. Francis of Assisi, that you know, your actions may be the only sermon that someone hears today. And when you look at the way the, the world is right now, like you said, a lot of people in the world today, the vast majority of people in the world today are not hearing sermons, mm-hmm. never mind on a daily basis, the vast majority are not even hearing sermons on a Sunday. Right. And, and if, if they're hearing sermons, they're, they're social media sermons, right? They're social platforms. They're not really sermons at all, are they? Well, exactly. They're, exactly. Sermons, but they're not. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's, again, where we're called to, uh, as the laity, where we're called to work in the Lord's vineyard through the, the way we live our lives so as to be attractive to others and to be attractive Christians, to be attractive Catholics, to have that magnetic faith. That and that's, and that's, that's difficult too in, in today's day and age because people want that flash and that kind of pizzazz with it. And it doesn't, you know, that quickly fades, the flash and the pizzazz, but you want, you know, you need the substance behind that. Right. Or like like our Lord says in the Gospels, you know, why does this generation always look for a sign? Hmm. We're we're so used to the special effects of Hollywood that when our Lord does whisper to us through the peace, tranquility, and joy of another, we don't necessarily see that because we're we're looking for the grandiose miracle. We're not looking for the we're not looking for the miracle in the person that's standing beside us. We're not looking for the miracle in the person that we're staring at through the Zoom conversation. Okay. I'm gonna ask you, and I, and I know we said we do one and one and one and one, but yeah. I, I'm really wanting to hold my second one off to the end because there's a there's a bit of a twist to it. Hmm. So what, what was the other one that you wanted to there was a couple more too. Um, I think the one that uh, there's a couple here, right? We've got another one from St. Augustine, or we can go to St. Teresa of Avila. Well, you, 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 it, it was funny. You sent me like about four eight or five. Saint, no, about eight saint quotes. Right. And I said, we're just doing two. And you said, yeah, pick two for me. And <laughs> I picked two. And the one you came up with wasn't even one of the two that I <laughs> I know. I did throw a wrench into your plans. God has promised forgiveness to your repentance, which is really nice. That's great to know that God has done that, you know, but he has not promised tomorrow to your procrastination. And I think that's a big problem. That's certainly with me with procrastination. I'll get that to, I'll get that done tomorrow. Oh, you know, I'll get to adoration next week. You know, I'll get to prayer with Robert next week when he comes off zoom. 
Um, so that's something. And the other one I really like, when the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future, St. Teresa of Avila. So you can tackle any one of those two. Yeah, and those are, are both great quotes. Powerful. Uh, like you said right off the top, you know, God has promised forgiveness for your repentance. Uh, and that's something I, I always try to teach the students that we come across in the in our schools is that you know God wants to forgive us. God, our God is a, a forgiving father, but forgiveness is a two-way street, and we need to go looking for that forgiveness, right? The God's forgiveness is a gift, but we need to be willing to receive it. I could offer you an, a, a, an envelope. I could say, here, Dennis, take this envelope. This envelope is a gift for you. And if you just rip it up, throw it in the blue bin, you're not necessarily going to get the $100 bill that's inside it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they and most students would, would say that that's one of their biggest, if you could pick one of their biggest weaknesses or the, one of the biggest hurdles they want to get over a lot of them would say procrastination. I yeah, think for most people, procrastination is a big. Oh, a big for problem. sure. And I'm just trying to, I'm not sure exactly what St. Augustine is trying to say there, what he says, but he has not promised tomorrow for your procrastination. He, I guess what he's saying there, it's yeah. like the, the rich man who had the bountiful harvest. So he built himself two new big barns to put all the, all, all of that in. And you know, that night the Lord says, you know, you're, you're being foolish. Why are you storing up all of this grain to eat, drink, and be merry tomorrow? Because I'm taking your life from you tonight. Absolutely. And that's what he's saying. Not promise tomorrow to procrastination. No, no. You got to act now. Do it yeah. now. Because you know what? There could be, like, there might not be a tomorrow. Yeah, no, very, very much so. And um, that's not to, to say or to condone that we, we need to party like it's 1999. Mm -hmm. But... We need to turn towards the, the Lord. We can't procrastinate in seeking repentance. We can't procrastinate in seeking the Lord's forgiveness. We can't procrastinate in getting to the sacrament of reconciliation and, and getting that absolution and getting that forgiveness. Because what if you're to say, okay, you know, I know there's reconciliation at, at church this week. But, you know, there's a, a good game on television and I've got this there and to run and that. I'll, I'll get to reconciliation next week. And really next week never comes because mm -hmm. then it's something else. And, but even if you're adamant, no, for sure, 100%, we're going to go not this Saturday, but next Saturday. Well, what's to say that the Lord doesn't call you home yeah. in that time? And you have that 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 stain of sin on your soul when you go before him. And again, the, the, the students are always a little bit flabbergasted when you know, I, sh I share with them that according to the, the norms of the Catholic church, you only have to get to reconciliation. You only have to get to confession once yeah. a year. Yeah. And generally that once a year is to happen in Lent to prepare you for Easter. Uh, and, and that tradition goes back where when people weren't receiving the Eucharist on a regular basis, people weren't, they weren't always you know, the same today as it was back then. They weren't always getting to mass, but when they were, even people who were going to mass every week, were not receiving the Eucharist every week. Uh, and they would wait and they would go to confession in Lent. And they would even try to line it up to go to confession in Holy week 
so that they would be in a state of grace to receive the Eucharist mm-hmm. at Easter. That being said, the, I always say going to the sacrament of confession is like taking a shower for your soul. Mm-hmm. And so then I ask the kids rhetorically, I, I really don't take a poll of the, of the students, but I, even when I, I run workshops and retreats, I'll ask people, you know, how often do you shower? Right? And I'll say like for myself, I, I shower daily. Like how often do you, and there's sometimes if I get all mucky working in the garden, I'll take two showers a day. And I'll say, well, if we're taking that good a care of our physical body, which will one day perish and pass away. Why are we then just giving our soul a shower through the sacrament of confession just once a year? Because our soul will live on for eternity. So which one of the two is really more important, your physical body or your soul? And so we should be taking as good a care of our soul as we're taking of our physical body. And I think then that comes back to what St. Augustine is saying here, that God has promised forgiveness to your repentance. God has promised to, to cleanse your soul. Mm-hmm. If you go looking for it, if you go to take that spiritual shower of confession, but he has not promised tomorrow to your procrastination. So if you're not giving your soul that shower through the sacrament of reconciliation, through confession, it's the same as if you say, Oh, you know, it's Saturday, I'm going to laze around, and I'll take my shower later in the day, or I might not even shower today, I'll, I'll just wait and take a shower tomorrow, Sunday, before I go to church, and then somewhere in the middle of the afternoon, the doorbell rings, and you've got family coming over for a visit, your hair is all over the place, uh, you're still in your pajamas, uh, you haven't even brushed your teeth, Right. And I think that's what St. Augustine is saying there. He hasn't promised tomorrow to procrastination. If you procrastinate looking after your soul, when it's time for it to go on display at the moment of your death and judgment, it's not going to be ready. The same way as if you spend the day lounging around and you don't take your shower and get dressed and brush your teeth, that someone's going to show up at the door and and you're not ready. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, well put, Robert. And so on that notion of penitence, and God has has promised forgiveness for your repentance, uh, I wanted to share this one last quote, only the penitent man shall pass. And I know when I gave you that quote, I didn't put a saint's name with it. Do you know who said this? Um, No, give me some, give me some hints. Only the penitent man shall pass. Only the penitent man shall pass. And what he repeated century? it, and he repeated it, and he repeated it. What nationality? What century? Um, what religious order? Nationality was American. Oh, uh, w- within the context of what it was, the way it was presented, uh, would have been within the context of World War II. So mid twentieth century. Did you said it? Did you say it was a saint or no? No, I didn't know. Uh, no. I, I said I didn't give the saint's name because it wasn't a saint. It's actually a fictional oh, character. Who? Sorry, it's a fictional character. A fictional character. Okay, Indiana Jones. No, the Last Crusade. 
Oh my God. I knew that sounded familiar. You can't put a you can't put Saint quotes for Lent and put it on Saint. That's totally throwing me off, Robert. But I to to me it is a very powerful quote. Mm-hmm. Only the penitent man shall pass. And to to refresh your memory of the scene, it, it's you know, kind of the, the climactic scene of the, the whole movie uh, at the end of the, the escapades of Indiana uh, and his dad. And I, and I love Sean Connery. So that's why it's one of my favorites, probably my favorite Indiana Jones movie because Sean Connery's in there. I don't think I watched it in its entirety. I've, I, I've obviously seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, but I don't think I've seen the last crusade in its entirety. I, I don't think I have. Maybe so, to- I- so, so towards the end, they go into the, the inner sanctum of the, this temple that's was was lost. And when they they show the picture of it, it's really the the lost city of Petra that, that they're going into, and so they're going into the inner sanctum. And the, the whole ocean of the Last Crusade is to find the Holy Grail, to find the the chalice that Christ used at the Last Supper, um, and it was being held by a, a Templar in this temple out out in the desert. And so in the scene, as Indiana Jones. And there's, you know, all the bad guys and the good guys are all around watching. Uh, and he's kind of been sent in to, to go find this holy grail, because if you drink from it, then you will have everlasting life. And his dad's been shot. And so there, you know, he's, he's going to get kind of this cup so that his father can live. And so in this climactic scene, he's walking up the steps into the inner sanctum of this, this temple. And there's decapitated bodies lying all over the place. And he's kind of looking at them, wondering if, he, if he's going to be next. And he keeps whispering to himself. The, the clue that's been given to get through this, this first booby trap uh, to, to get into the temple. And he's whispering, only the penitent man will pass. Only the penitent man will pass. And then he takes the next logical theological step in that the penitent man is humble before God. Only the penitent man will pass. The penitent man is humble before God. The penitent man is humble. The penitent man kneels before God. And just as he says kneels before God, he drops to his knees and the razor wheels fly just above his head, you know, kind of where his, his throat was, was just a moment ago. And he manages to, to get through. So for me, that's the only the penitent man will pass. Only the, the, the man who gets down on his knees and is humble before God will pass on to eternal life. And really Lent is a penitential season. So we need to be reminded of this constantly that only the penitent man will pass. We need to recapture that humility before God. We we need to become more penitent and and we need to fall down on our knees. Uh, And not so long ago, I I read a story about St. James the Lesser. So now there was... James, the brother of John, the, 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 two, the two sons of Zebedee, who we know a little bit more about. But St. James the Lesser, also an apostle, and was the first bishop of Jerusalem. And it's said that he spent so much time on his knees that he actually developed calluses on his knees. <laughs> and I thought that was, that was pretty amazing. And it reminded me uh, in Fatima, pilgrims who go to Fatima, those that are going for special intention will usually do the last kilometer of the, the pilgrimage on their knees. And they will approach the, 
the Basilica of Our Lady in Fatima on, on their knees. And we, we need, again, like I said, Lent is a penitential season and it's calling us to remember that we need to be humble before God. We need to, to kneel before Christ in adoration and we need to kneel before Christ in the confessional. That's why, to me, even though it's not a saint quote, this one line from Indiana Jones, only the penitent man shall pass, is so powerful. And it's it sums a, it up. Yeah, it does sum it up. Definitely will be. So, I think we're, we're, we're just about done. I don't know if you... To, to, to finish off, did you want to... Well, we, we've talked about all kinds of stuff. I don't. We've talked about a lot, eh, Robert? Um, no, you wanted to talk about. I, I think I'm going to leave that for another day. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's already, it's already nine five after nine. We've been yeah, talking for forty five minutes. You you uh, have to go. Hey, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed your pint and the conversation just as much as we did, and we look forward to chatting again next time over a pint or two.